so far I haven't met anyone who said to me, you know, establishing a daily meditation practice was really a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) How could you give me, how could you inspire me to establish a daily meditation practice? That was so stupid of you. So I still believe after, I don't know, 15 years of teaching meditation that uh, to, to discover your own meditation practice is probably one of the most beautiful and most important gifts you can give to yourself and the, the people you live with. I really believe that. and. Um, it's also backed up uh, by many experiences and also by research uh, that it is it is really it could be the most important ingredients of you finding out how to live you finding out how to live in this uh, in this human existence which is often so overwhelming life is suffering so how do you relate to it there's no way to avoid that fact that life is suffering So overwhelming things are happening in your life and they, they will continue to happen. What is your way to live in this? Have you found a way to live your life? And it seems that one time-tested ingredient of finding your way to live is uh, meditation. So tonight and then also on Saturday I, I want to explore this and encourage you and inspire you to find your own style in meditation. To, to be curious about this piece of art which is your, your personal and your unique way to sit, to sit quietly with yourself and the world. And since we are all different and we all have different preferences, My approach is that that there is not the one way to meditate, but that all of us, we have 
this challenge or this opportunity to to find your own style, to find your way. So what I would like to share with you is some of the attitudes and some of the ingredients of a daily meditation practice. <coughs> Starting a daily meditation practice, but then also maintaining a daily meditation practice and returning to it when it falls apart, because that's going to happen, it will fall apart again and again, and then our job is to pick it up with new inspiration on a different level, with new ideas. So since I don't believe there's the one meditation practice which works for everyone, I I think it will not very it will not be very structured what I'm going to say. But I hope that you know, there will be like some 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 piece of the puzzle which you can take from tonight. Maybe if it's only one piece, then definitely it was worth to come. And then on Saturday I want to go a bit more deeper and actually offer you different different uh, practices from the Tibetan toolbox. So let's uh, start by sitting quietly before I start to talk. And I think sitting quietly is a good word to use. It already takes away a bit of the straitjacket which we might put upon ourselves when we hear the word meditation. I mean, each idiot can sit quietly. So, you too. Just sitting quietly. And actually, sometimes this seems to be so difficult. Just sitting quietly and settling and being with yourself without putting something into your mouth, without listening to something. So, I invite you to close your eyes and just notice what happens when you shift gear from the doing to just being here.
and allow your awareness to drop into the body. Probably most of the day you spend in your thoughts, you spend in your head. And so now in the practice of sitting quietly, it's time to shift gear from the head into the body. So with the next in-breath, I invite you to slide with your attention down into your body, down, 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 into your feet. And make this sliding down a gesture of welcoming. So it's not trying to calm down or trying to feel better, but it is a welcoming, welcoming of who you are just now. Yeah, and maybe you notice some restlessness or some discomfort, some tiredness. And what is important here in meditation is that we give space to all of that. Befriending your own energy. How's your belly? <clears throat> Can you soften somewhat in the belly with the outbreath? <clears throat> and of course, thoughts continue to arise. That's fine, but let them go somewhat into the background. And emphasize the aliveness in your body. How's your hands? And you feel the aliveness in your hands. Then when you get involved in the storylines and the commentary in the inner dialogue, allow yourself to drop back into your hands, into your belly.
How's your shoulders? Can you soften the shoulders a bit? Let yourself be okay. And nothing is ex nothing is excluded. the energy running in your body? Is it quick? Is it slow? And let it be. Just pay attention. Make meditation a time of doing nothing, letting go of pressure, letting go of self-improvement. Explore what effortless is, what effortless is. Maybe you discover that you have certain rules you try to follow. Like there shouldn't be thoughts or you should feel more calm. Let's explore what happens if you let go of these rules.
make meditation a moment of unconditioned friendliness, of big love. Dropping back and resting. Allow yourself to rest with what is. Then, even if you're tired or somewhat agitated, maybe you can still appreciate the stillness or the peacefulness which arises when we sit quietly together. It's so unusual that people come together sitting quietly in the spirit of kindness and the spirit of friendliness. Protected by the teachings of the Buddha. you just now? How's your belly? Your solar plexus? Comfortable are you within your own skin? And let it be okay. Let 
Those things which need some attention, some care, come to the foreground. Things maybe you have avoided to touch today. Things you try to hide. you have the opportunity to take care of those aspects of yourself. Breathing into, holding gently, touching softly with your awareness. that which needs to be hold and that which needs to be seen is quite challenging, then we can call upon help. We can call upon the help of Tara or the Dalai Lama or the Kamapa, the Buddha, Jesus. afraid of your own inner life. And if you are, let that be okay. And then you notice again and again that you emphasize the commentary and without making a big deal. It's what mind does. It's a natural activity of mind. There's nothing wrong with that. But allow yourself to drop back, like falling in love. Drop back into your hands, into your belly. Noticing the flow of the breath, just being here in this moment.
So taking care of yourself in this way, taking care of your feelings, the sensations in your body, the restlessness, It is really a contribution to the people you live with and the people you meet. So it is easy to feel how meditation like this is also a gift. It's something you do for others as well. makes your meditation practice so beautiful and so empowering that it is something you do for the benefit of your surroundings and for the benefits of your relationships. And that's why we're here tonight. I would like to start with some helpful attitudes and then after the break and then particularly on Saturday talking about the structure of a meditation practice and how to choose the right, te right technique for you. So the first thing I would like to say is honor your inner rebel in your meditation practice. Bring the rebel with you into your practice. Can you maybe stop that? It's no problem. You can eat in the break. Uh, So what, what I mean with the rebel is that feeling in you which comes up when you listen to teachings and you receive instructions, when you go to places like this, that this feeling, well, this is bullshit. I'm not going to do that. So see that voice, you know, that voice was actually does not want to meditate or which is critical and which protects you it has a wise aspect of yourself because it is the rebel in you which will help you not to buy bullshit and there is so much bullshit in Tibetan Buddhism and 
in Theravada Buddhism and in in your in your yoga studio and in every club in every organization so when your when your inner rebel says you know this is bullshit then probably you are right not necessarily so there needs to be some distinction uh, you need to uh, you need to like explore that but don't put that voice down or see it as something you need to repress or something which has not which has no space uh, see it as as a wise aspect of yourself protecting you so each meditation instructions also what i say tonight and what the way i teach meditation it's that is partial it's like what I've learned, it's my view. So sit here with your rebel. And if you, if you are brave enough, then you say to, say to me in my face, you know, this is bullshit what you say. <laughs> <laughs> that does not work. Maybe, you don't, maybe you, you, you don't need to say it with that word, but... Uh, be loyal to your uh, to your wisdom to your experience mm. to your preferences to your rhythms i mean you have you have i mean you have already managed to live up uh, until now so you have accumulated wisdom and uh, you know things and you have a sense of what is good for you and and you know you feel when you are in touch with your needs and with your feelings and with your preferences, you know when an instruction and a teaching feels like a straitjacket. When your sense of justice is, is speaking up. And of course, in Tibetan Buddhism, I mean, the Tibetan culture is pre-modern, is ethnocentric, is patrialistic. So if you study in a tradition like this, I mean, you're supposed to speak up. And then if you don't do that, uh, at least for yourself, I mean, it's maybe not appropriate to, uh, to speak up in a traditional setting, but uh, so if you if you re repress that even to yourself, then uh, you get into trouble in your practice. Then your practice becomes a straitjacket, where you feel you can't bring yourself along with who you are and what you feel and what you think and with your own wisdom. So the first point, honor your rebel. And each tradition will try to kill it. I mean, the, 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 one of the main concerns of a tradition is to preserve itself. And rebels like Jesus and the Buddha, they dropped out. They dropped out of their traditions. 
Buddha was a rebel, Jesus was a rebel. And the, the, the uh, inspiring masters whose books we read, for example, Shantideva, they were rebels. You know, Shantideva was kicked out of the monastery. Lama Yeshe, yeah. the founder of the FPMT, he was a rebel. He was kicked out of the establishment, of the Tibetan establishment, Trungpa Rinpoche. Now he is seen as a Mahasiddha, as this great master within the Gage tradition. He was kicked out of his monastery. They even tried to, I mean, they really tried to destroy him. And it's scary to be a rebel. It's really scary. It's scary to think for yourself. Because, oh, it's so nice to be part of the club. To belong. To know where you, you know, where your, where your guru is. Who it is. Now, it speaks to the social being in us which is threatened when we are excluded of our tribe, of our community. Yes? I've been thinking about this, what you're talking about. Mm. Uh, this uh, uh, being a social being and being a you call it a rebel, but being an in individual uh, to, to go against the group. And uh, I think both uh, ways must be uh, beneficial because otherwise uh, evolution would uh, sort, sort it out, I think. I don't know. Sure. I mean, I'm here. I'm, I'm part of your group. I'm... Uh, yeah. I, I, my, my teacher is Nama Super and uh, you know, and but I, I have also I have been also kicked out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean we have it's, both. Yes, def definitely. That that's the uh, that's the the challenge here. Yeah? So that's uh, yes. So I'm not saying uh, that our our wish to belong and the importance to be part of a group that that is something negative. It's something I mean. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here without that. Without you feeling as a group and working together and helping each other. Um, but then within that, uh, you also so that that does not mean that you can't bring your rebel into into this situation. It does not. The rebel does not mean uh, you no. Know, bringing your rebel with you does not mean that you fight all the time and that you need to be right and that you need to voice your own thoughts in up in up inappropriate ways. But uh, they can be there, in particular in your own private practice.
So the second uh, point I want to say, and it's, it, it's, it has all a bit the same fla flavor what I have to say. So the second point is follow your rhythms, follow your preferences in your meditation practice. What I mean with rhythms is maybe you, maybe you are a person who really enjoys and likes to be quick. You have just like a, a quick energy within you and you like to have a practice with, you know, with some steps and with things to do and there's a sense of moving quickly, maybe with movement even. Yeah, so to bring movement into your practice. Do 120, uh, 108 prostrations in the morning. Yeah. Maybe you are some, someone who likes to do that. Yeah. Maybe you are a very slow person. So maybe you are a person who likes to chew on one thing for half an hour. <laughs> no, it's just something in you pulsates very quickly and, and you enjoy that. And you notice that some some practices or some guidance you receive in practice is just too quick. It says, hey, hey, wait, I'm, I have not even started to feel the first step. Yeah. Uh, and, and another person, the person who's sitting close to you thinks, hey, come on, you know, it's like next thing. Yeah? So. And, and then depending on the group culture, or depending on the teacher, either the quick person or the slow person feels wrong. You know, something is wrong with me. I, I don't have the same kind of uh, intensive experience as the person close to me. So, of course, when I guide meditations, I, the challenge for me is to try to kind of balance it a bit out so that the slow people feel not left behind and the quick people don't get bored. <laughs> so, but I can't, uh, I can't, I can't, uh, I mean, I can't read your mind. Yeah? So who are you and what are your needs? And th this rhythms, they might change. Well, there might be days where you feel slow and you like to stay in, in, in to stay with one thing in your practice and there's other days maybe where you would like to move a bit more quickly and honor that don't make it wrong yes and couldn't it also be a question about stress because i can feel when i'm stressed or yeah in this state of mind then it's quite hard to just sit down and things slow and maybe I'm restless and want to do those quick things maybe but still I'm not sure that would be the best for me because then I would just you do what is the best for you yeah so I think it's difficult sometimes to to see the difference between being in a state of mind maybe stress for example that I actually would like to change or having like you mm. say a rhythm or so mm. to, to make this difference Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So, I will say something to that. The third point is, honor your discomfort. No, be it the stress, be it the restlessness, be it the tiredness, honor your discomfort. Make your meditation a time where you honor and you are present and you embrace your discomfort as it is. Make discomfort part of your meditation practice, not an obstacle, not something you need to overcome or get rid of. Discomfort will be there in your meditation practice and in your life. So what you can, what you can explore in meditation is, what happens if I don't make a problem out of discomfort? What happens with my stress with my restlessness, with my quick energy, if I say yes, yes, this is how I feel just now. Or, oh, yes, this is how I feel just now. So my inspiration would be rather to make your meditation practice a non-violent part of your day, a really non-violent part of your day, not, not, and non-violent also towards that which is a bit difficult, non-violent to be to, towards being tired, non-violent to, towards being stressed, non-violent towards being restless, non-violent towards being sad. So it is a bit, uh, so this is like now my my way to share meditation. So it is a bit different than an approach to meditation which, which would see meditation as a bit of a control technique, as a bit of trying to get rid of something technique, as a bit of uh, trying to calm down technique, which I think from, for quite a lot of people, meditation is a technique to calm down. So what I would, uh, what I would inspire you to explore a meditation practice which is not a self-improvement project. Based on the assumption kind of the tantric assumption that what you're seeking, that which wants to emerge from you, your creativity, your goodness, your generosity, that that is already there. 
it is temporarily covered. And meditation would be an opportunity for you to exhaust, to dissolve that which covers your goodness by allowing it to be, by giving it its space, by giving it its time. So follow your rhythms, follow your preferences. So I would encourage you to explore uh, many different flavors of meditation. Start to assemble like a toolbox of different meditation practices, different instructions, different approaches. Be curious, try them out and observe what happens and then follow that which heals you, that which makes you more generous, that, that which makes you more easygoing with yourself and others. F follow those practices and be aware of this tendency we have with our meditation practice and with our spiritual practice to put on a straitjacket. Yeah, to try to live up to something, to try to, to become someone else, to, to try to follow like an idealistic idea of how a meditation or how you should be. So it's like meditation practice, spiritual practice could become like really suffocating. Instead of you know, discovering who you are and honoring your own uniqueness and your own beauty and you honor what you have to give in the way you give in, in exactly your, your voice, in exactly your, your way. You have a unique way to, sh to share your gift, which is completely different than any other's way to share, your, sh to share his or her gift. This is not an easy path, of course, to stand up and to be loyal to who you are. To discover who you are and then to express that, rather than trying to be someone else. It happens easily in, in our spiritual practice, in meditation practice, that we repress aspects of ourselves. Those things maybe we are ashamed of, for example, sexual fantasies, the wildness in us, you know, the one who wants to get drunk and you know, go to a party and dance.
the one who gives a shit about other people. No, the one who is jealous. The one who is judging constantly others. Particularly the ones who are not so spiritual as you. <laughs> so meditation is is the time for you to, you know, to to be in contact with all of that. To to explore all of that. It, no, that, that these these uh, these aspects which I just mentioned, they are in everyone. Also in those people who wear red robes and have fancy names, it's in them also. The question is: Did they find a healthy way to relate to these aspects? Where do they express them? Are they in contact with them? And if not, then probably the organization or the group or is this something is going wrong then. So this honesty in, in one's own meditation practice, in, in one's own spiritual practice. No, making your meditation practice not another uh, another part of your day where you pretend like we we off we often like in our job and you no know, we pretend a lot we pretend often that we are better than we are and we hide things where we feel you know, where we feel vulnerable and confused or so meditation. Let your meditation practice the part of the day where you don't need to do that. So you bring yourself with you, you know, the whole thing. You know, you like this is if this is your meditation space. So there's the Buddha, there's the Karmapa, and there's the Dalai Lama, and then you bring yourself along. So don't don't say okay the rebel needs to stay outside or the the addicted person needs to stay outside or the jealous aspect of you needs to be outside no i mean they know they know it they have looked at it you know they have made friends with those aspects in themselves So this, uh, this non-judgmental friendliness this is really so 
so important in one's meditation practice. So that we don't cultivate hardness or judgment in our practice. So how do you know that you're on the right track in your meditation practice regarding this regarding this, uh, this cultivation of Maitri or loving-kindness? It's like, uh, so you know, you know that you're on the right track when you notice that you start to become more comfortable within yourself and you become more comfortable around other people. Is that happening in your practice? Whatever your practice is, yoga, meditation, you know, I, I mean all kinds of healing practices, psychotherapy, do you notice within your practice that you are more easygoing with yourself? softer? Or be, do you become more judgmental towards yourself? <gasps> I should be more compassionate, I should be more this, I, I'm, too, I'm too much of this, I too, I'm too much of that. Then you notice, oh, hmm, there's maybe something missing here. Maybe I, I need to add something to my practice. But also observe how you look at others, how you regard others. So it can happen in periods of your practice that you start to notice, wow, I become actually more judgmental. I become more critical. I kind of, I look around and say, yeah, but she is not, you know, she is not moving as mindful as I moving or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> or look how he is sitting or, I don't know, he should be a bit more respectful to the Lama. Look how I'm respectful to the Lama. <laughs> yeah. I won the bowing competition. <laughs> and it's like in the Tibetan tradition, it's like horrible. The, the, the competition and the jealousy and the, um, the, you know, the fighting with each other in the different lineages and sex and bellies and uh, <laughs> I can't work together. So that is a good sign. Uh, I mean, that is like uh, something you can check. I mean, not every month or you know, every day or something, but you know, after, after, like, every year, like, you make a check-up. Oh, how is it going with myself? Do I feel more, more soft in my stomach? Do I feel comfort, more comfortable with my body, with my haircut, <laughs> with my, with my, with my personality? With my intro, that I'm introvert, with my shyness. Am I a bit more comfortable with that? 
or with I'm with my I'm well, sometimes I'm a bit too much, you know. So are you comfortable with that? <laughs> are you a bit more comfortable with that? And then is that extending to others? So are you a bit more comfortable with people who are quiet and shy? A bit more comfortable with these people who take a bit more space? No, more you uh, create, more you give space in your meditation practice to who you are, more you befriend to who you are. That is also the space you offer to others. But even if you don't want it, even if you don't want to share, it's it's happening. Uh, it's happening just like that. And. Befriending yourself, how, how you are and who you are, and befriending others, that's not the end of evolution, that's not the end of individuation, that's the beginning. That's, you know, what creates the space for growth, what creates the space for healing. What creates the space for goodness to come out in you and the people around you is that is compassionate presence, is that that loving gaze, is that is that kindness. And that's not only discovered within the spiritual tradition, but also in psychotherapy and in self development and in healing techniques. <coughs> 